Welcome to the Catalyst Podcast. This episode, entitled Times Like These, was given on January 29, 2017, by Bethany Shea. Today, Jason and I wanted to do something called a town hall meeting um, and kind of talking through what it means to be a church here at Catalyst and, um, and kind of the vision moving forward for our church. Uh, and hear from you guys and kind of have it as a dialogue. Um, but there's just been a lot going on in the world, and so we felt like we needed to just pause and um, and just be together right now. So, um, yeah, let's pray, and then and then we'll get into it, and then we'll go into our time of worship later. So, Lord God, we know that all all of our lives are worship to you. Everything that we do and say is, is um, meant to glorify you and point people to how beautiful you are and how, uh, how much you love people and how much you, um, how much you want people to experience your love. So Lord God, we want to release this time before you. We want to lay aside um, everything that might keep us distracted from your presence. Um, we want to be very aware of your presence right now. We want to feel your spirit here in this place, the spirit that dwells within each of us. God, I, we, I pray that our hearts are open to receive from you what, we, what, what you have for us this morning. We pray for those who aren't with us this morning, those who are of our friends who are not here, um, and that your spirit will be with them as well. So we release this time before you. We pray that it blesses your name. And in Christ's name we pray, amen. Um, I have a verse I'm going to read. You're welcome to turn if you want. Um, It's from Deuteronomy chapter 10. Um, And yeah, it's chapter 10, verses 18 to 19. Uh, Deuteronomy comes after numbers in the beginning of the Bible. And God says in um, in verse 18, it says, God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. So we'll stop there. Um, it's been kind of a crazy week, as most of us have, have experienced, and I, I, you know, all of us are in a different place when it comes to our feelings of politics and the world and everything, but since we're all Christians, it kind of feels a little, a little chaotic in a lot of ways. Um, and for me, I feel like I'm continually distracted and confused on what is going on in the world, uh, what's going on in our country, how I can help in any way, um, and so I'm like... I'm drawn to the media, I'm drawn to social media and to the news sources, and I just like wanna, I wanna read as much as I can, but at the same time, I'm wanting to like get away as fast as possible. It's like this push-pull that I keep experiencing, and some of you might be experiencing this as well. Um, but when a five-year-old was detained yesterday and kept from his mother for hours, and when people who have been living in the United States and working here and legally paying taxes and legally living here um, for years and years, and then they're not allowed back in the United States, 
and they aren't allowed to say goodbye to their friends and they have their homes and their jobs and they have their pets and things that they have that are meaningful to them here in the United States. And when babies wash up in shores and someone uses the power of the pen as a weapon against all that is representative of Christ and goodness, we have to speak out. It's just, it's part of being the people of God. We, we have to do something because we've been created to respond to God's creation and we all feel helpless when we don't. We just do. I, I feel helpless when I don't respond. I'm feeling it. I know that I need to respond in some way. And Jason and I have been planning this town hall meeting like, okay, this is where we need to go with the church right now. One where we get to like speak into the vision of the church where God has given us um, to hear from you about what that, if that vision resonates, if it doesn't, what challenges you have, pushbacks, concerns, or encouragement, and how together we can be the body of Christ, encouraging each other um, as this, this small church that we're all a part of can become. But last night when Jason and I were discussing everything about our church and our country and then all the nations essentially, uh, we stopped and we paused and we prayed because we just felt like we couldn't keep talking. We had, to, we had to pray. And we knew that everything else needed to be put to the side just to pray. And from that prayer, we felt like God was saying to us to pray first as a church and then to plan later, to plan what it is later. And I don't know what that looks like. I, I mean, I was feeling like pray this week, plan next. But maybe it's pray this week and maybe it's plan next or maybe it's pray next week. And maybe it's just, we're just going to keep doing that as a church until, until God moves us towards something. But I don't want to just respond out of a reaction because I feel like that's where I'm at right now. And I don't, I don't want to be there. I don't think that God is calling us to do that. So I want to look at what Jesus said about prayer and then what it looks like for us to follow in his footsteps as, a, as people of prayer. Because um, when Jesus felt overwhelmed, or frazzled, or in a place of despair or overwhelming concern for the world, he would pray over his disciples, he would pray with his disciples, and he would also retreat to places that were quiet. He would go to mountains, or in a cleft of a mountain, or some sort of space that was away from everything, and he would be in prayer with his heavenly Father. And Jesus prayed because he knew that when life gets hard, and when it becomes uncertain, that people forget those deeply rooted parts of us. And so, you know, we, we talk about rooted a lot. We're in this, these rooted groups about discipleship and what it means to be rooted in God. But the, the fact of the matter is, is like those deeply rooted parts of us, it's not, like, it's not like they shrivel up and it's not like they die. It's not like you can just those roots are gone or something like that. I think we just forget that they're there because of chaos or distractions and that sort of thing. And prayer keeps us connected to those roots. And the way that I see those roots, I see the roots as kind of like the kingdom of heaven. Um, there's that prayer that, that Christ taught his disciples to pray, and he says, uh, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray it every week at the Methodist Church. It'd be interesting to pray it here every week as well. But that sense of like that responsibility that we have to bring God's kingdom to earth, the purposes of God's kingdom to earth. Jesus tells this parable um, to his disciples. He tells this parable about this field 
and there's this great treasure hidden in a field. And a parable is like a story, essentially. And this guy is like walking past this field and he finds this great treasure that's hidden and he sells everything, all he owns. And for the people back then listening, it's not just like, well, he sold you know, his vacation home and his 401k or something like that. It wasn't like that at all. What he sold was he sold his entire family history. He, he sold his entire sense of identity, his hope and plan for the future, like everything that he's placed in as a place of authority in his life, he sells it all to buy the field that houses that great treasure. And that treasure, Jesus says, is the kingdom of God. God's kingdom, God's purposes for the world is housed in that field. And it's not just like a metaphorical field or a literal field or anything like that. What the field represents is you. And so what Jesus is saying is that each of you are housing this great treasure that was not revealed to you by the world. It's revealed to you by the Lord. And then Paul speaks about the great treasure as well. So turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth during a um, kind of a tumultuous time. And he's trying to remind them of who they are, as Paul does with all the churches, as we do here. Um, but Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, uh, we'll read verses 6 to 10. Paul says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of, Christ, of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. I love that. I love how Paul speaks of this great treasure and what it's housed in. Jars of clay. I, I love that these promises that we see here are showing that God is faithful to us even when it feels like we're hard-pressed on every side. That God has placed his purposes of truth and justice and kindness and mercy and love, of shalom. The kingdom is, is this idea of shalom and completeness and wholeness. God has placed those purposes within you. That God so fully believes in you that what you can do for his glory to be seen in this world, he's entrusted in you. He believes that he can entrust the kingdom of heaven in you. In like these jars of clay. And I think one of the beautiful things about this truth is that when we've been hard pressed or struck down or confused or abused, God's light shows through 
those times. And I, I feel like if God wanted to, he could have put the light of his kingdom in a steel, very strong jar that when it's kind of batted around, it gets a little dense or whatever, but it's not ever going to fall apart or crumble or anything would happen to it. It will be strong enough on its own. The thing is, is that we aren't meant to be strong enough on our own. The, the, a candle if you put a candle in a jar, like a terracotta pot or something with a lid on it, and you put a candle in a jar that has cracks around it that have been glued back together from God's love and grace in your lives, it displays a type of beauty that the world can see and appreciate and glorify God over. A steel jar may be really strong, but that's no way of displaying God's love to the world. So this treasure, this kingdom, it, it doesn't pass away, the Bible says. And it's obvious that it doesn't pass away because we see that kings and kingdoms all pass away. This that we're experiencing right now will pass away, but God's kingdom never passes away. It is not contingent upon you, but God has invited you to taste and to see that what God is about is good. And God is about a kingdom, a way of life where there's no borders. There are no borders in the kingdom. The kingdom of God, it, it, Jesus says, is neither here nor there. It is not about a, a people or a country or a president. The kingdom of God has no borders. And the kingdom of God, if the kingdom of God is within you, then you have no borders either. Kingdom people have no borders. And when Christians get caught up in American exceptionalism, we lose sight of the kingdom. So when Jesus was overwhelmed and felt overwhelmed by what the world offered, he prayed. He prayed. And the kingdom treasure, it just cannot be known and it cannot be seen if we're not in communion and prayer with God. When, G when Jason and I stopped last night and we prayed, I felt like God was telling me to be still and know that I am God. I felt like God kept saying, just quiet down a bit so you can actually hear me. Because you can't hear me in the midst of this chaos that's happening. And then I also felt like God was saying, remember, I'm with you. I'm, I haven't left. And we just came out of Advent and, and Christmas and that whole time and season is about God with us, that God has made his home here, dwelled with us, dwells with us in all things. But what Jason felt like God was saying was that, um, Jesus was saying that apart from me, you can do nothing, but with me, you can do greater things than I could have done. So I want to go to one more scripture here, and then we're gonna, just going to take a time of, of silence after we read it, and then I just want to discuss the scripture, what comes up for you. Um, what kinds of things happen? Jason, did you want to read it or do you want me to? Um, uh, read okay. So turn with me to John chapter 15. And it's a very familiar passage to a lot of us. But I want to read it and then sit with it and then open it up for discussion. And then um, I'll close our time. And I just want to go into a time of prayer and worship. And um, yeah. All right. So John chapter 15. We're going to read verses 4 to 17. And then we'll sit for a moment and then discuss it. So Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says in, in verse 4, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I, call, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. What stands out for you in this passage? Any major impressions that? Yeah. So, just um, that not only is God in us, but we're in God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. John 14, 20 might be clear. Yeah, can you read it for us? For us? Um, on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Thank you. The word remain is repeated a lot. Remain, yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right, not withholding. Yep. Probably like what it says in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Mm. Me too. What do you feel like is revealed about God's character in this passage? Very loving. Relational. Relational. Yeah. It feels like he's taking the initiative. Mm. He's asking us to be in him, but we're already he's in us. Right. Right. It's not a striving to acceptance of I'm already in Right. Right. Character of connection. Definitely. How do you feel like this, that this can influence your week ahead? Because we just, we only meet on Sundays, Wednesday Bible study and that sort of thing, but what we have here, this time of fellowship and connection is is, um, like a jumping off point for the whole week of how we worship God and how we interact with the Lord and, our, and the people around us. So how, how would this passage, how do you think this passage can influence your week? Well, I think, um, you know, check with God. Yeah. I have an idea. Just check in with God. Yeah. You know, often I'll just like, oh, that sounds good, I'll do that. <laughs> you know, have a second thought. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, Martha. I would say for me, I'm already clean because of the word that he has spoken to me. Mm. And then the other one that struck me is, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And then I just want to say thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Mm. Because in the season of my life that I'm in, I think that God is really showing to me that I could do nothing without him. Mm. And last week was really profound. So... Um, I think what I could do is just go back to this passage and just love other people. I have really, like, I was so touched by my own experiences that Friday I had an encounter with a woman that was, like, just a mirror of me and I was able to minister. And I prayed to our Father because I, I didn't know what else to do, but I just said, no, you, you can't believe whatever lies you're hearing in your head. And I just was like, I just felt like everything that had been given to me, all the love that you guys had given to me, I just wanted to just like give it out to everybody else. So I feel mm-hmm. like this is like our incubator, you know, mm-hmm. for those of you that are it gym buffs, you know, this is like where we get our spiritual muscle mm-hmm. and our sisters and brothers are um, are just like beautiful and I think that when I, I get that and I'm able to replicate that to give it to other people. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for me having like a lens of love because the decisions that I make, I have love or joy. Even the news articles that I read are right. like, is this kind of 
Right. Totally. Yeah. What are you gonna say, something, Clark? Yeah, I just think that. I mean, I mean, if the, you know, when Christ uses the word commandment, because He doesn't use it all that much, mm-hmm. it's pretty serious, right? So, right. Because it's pretty rare that He actually uses that language. Um, and and if you take the context of this of this particular scripture, right? We look at when he's saying, when he's speaking this to his disciples, it's like a really profound moment because this is like it, right? Right. Like he's in the upper room and he's just gone through the process of serving them, washing their feet. He's just called out Judas and he's really like, this is a really trying time for him as a key man. Like he's going to be, he knows what's coming. And he's trying to prepare those that he's leaving behind for a very specific calling, a very specific mission. And so it's really significant. Like, these are the men that have been with him for three years. And, you know, he references that few verses back. He's like, you've been with me for three years now. And he's like, now you're ready. Now you're clean. And, and, then he, and then he says to him, so I'm giving you a commandment to love each other. And I think that, like, if you were in that room, in a way it would strike you as somewhat odd because you're like well we've been with you for three years we've been like we were a brotherhood like right. we've been serving with them, and now you're telling me to just love each other like you know I'm sure they felt like oh I do love John I do love Peter right? right but I think there's so much significance in that so much so that he reiterates it at the, at the end there in verse 17 and he says this is my command love each other because for them their whole world like their entire world had revolved around Christ and now he's going to be gone, mm. and he knows that. And he knows how quickly that even, he knows how quickly this thing can fall apart you know, in our humanness, that this can fall apart, because he knows they're going to be devastated when he leaves them, right? And when that's taken from them. And I just think, like, you know, if we're not anchored, he's telling us something really significant here. He's saying, if you're not anchored in this relationship with one another, this will all fall apart, mm. right? And so he commands them, you love one another. And he says, I no longer call you slaves, which is to say that we were slaves. That at one time he referred to us as slaves, mm. which is odd in a way, but I mean, it's not. If you think about it, we're all slaves to, to sin. And he's saying, I'm giving you something more, and it hinges on this love. But when you enter into that relational love, it's through that that the Father's revealed. And when the Father's revealed, then there's liberation in that. And there's so much in there, like that's so rich, right? Like that's so that good. when we're when we're engaged in that relationship of brotherhood and love with one another, then there's liberation in that. And that's actually how the Father's revealed. Because everything Christ ever did is to reveal the Father. So he's saying, This is how I, this is how my Father will be revealed in you. When you love one another. Right? Mm. Um, it's pretty cool. Seriously. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wow, that was really good. I think it just goes back to that idea of like you don't really do it on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something you can't accomplish or strive for. It's like what you were saying, what you were saying, it's very much like something you accept into your life mm-hmm. and you allow to have its way with you, which is right. the love of God. And and I love the idea of like love one another because he is talking to a select group of people. And we are to love the world, obviously. 
but how much more to love the Christians we don't agree with mm -hmm. and to love the people that are promoting Trump's agenda. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, how do we do that right, right now? Because I feel like I just want to attack the brothers and sisters that are totally letting this go unhinged, you know, mm. it's not right. But, um, but scale it back, back to remaining in God and back to remaining with one another and not leaving the fellowship, not wandering off alone, not right. trying to make it happen on our own. So. Yeah. Well, I, to follow up on that, you know, when he said, I no longer call you servant, but I call you friend. Mm. And when I was a little bit reflecting on that, I was imagining God saying, but in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. Hmm. So that kind of like stuck to me, like, okay, how can we be of good cheer in the midst of this trouble? Right? right. And uh, then I heard the Japanese voice. I just want to uh, say I, I do appreciate Clark's bringing out. I, I was also very struck by his repetition of that simple, you know, this is my command. Mm. But he says it the first time, I believe he says, love each other as I have loved you. Mm. And, and I thought there was a lot in that as well. Um, I think, you know, he's really trying to say something about how love is important, you know. Mm -hmm. um, there can be a lot in that. It doesn't, it doesn't just mean like, you're great, I love you, everything's great, you know. Right. That's not how he that. It's right. not how Jesus, his love was, was forceful, it was challenging, mm -hmm. um, it was hard in yeah. some ways, but it was pure love in, in its intention. There was no other hidden agenda, right. you know, um, but to bring out the true nature and the best nature mm. in, in each person is what I make of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, David. The passage that we that we read here starts out by saying, "I am the vine, and you are the branches." And I've always just it's so powerful because it's like, where does the branch end? Where does where does the vine end? The branch begin. We are so connected. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it says elsewhere. We are God's feet, His hands. But like literally, we are, I mean, the branches get their strength from the vines. Obviously, the branches can't do it without the vine, but we are not separate, we're connected. Totally. And so, yeah. It's him doing it, I guess. Should be. Yep. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Right. So, even. Even this love that we are called to be and do to reveal the Father to the world is through Christ. Like, we cannot muster up that love on our own because I, I don't always trust you, and you can't possibly always trust me. It's just part of human nature. But without Christ as a, when Christ is the center, all of a sudden, we aren't trust, I'm not trusting Kimi, I'm trusting the Lord in Kimi. So when, when I know that Kimi and I are both connected to the vine, that, that trust and that love for each other flows through this relationship with Christ that then is the one that sustains us and grows us and, and creates this, this amazing revelation of who the Father is and who we are meant to be as a church.
So I don't know if we're going to go deeper into this passage next week. I was thinking we would, but I feel like we really, maybe there's more that will be said. Maybe, maybe we'll get into it more next week. I'm not sure what's going to look like. Hope you guys talk into that. But I want us to see how vital it is to find our sustainability from Christ. Because I wanted to come today and I wanted to plan. I wanted to like figure out what are we doing now? How do we respond? What do we, you know, how do we do this? But the thing is, it's like that word, you know, Catherine, you were saying that that word remain was in there so many times, so there must be something important in that word remain. That word remain is translated from the Greek meno, and meno or meno means hand. Like it's like Christ is holding us. Another translation is to abide. And when I was praying, and and Jason was like, after we prayed, Jason was like, this is what I got apart from me. You can do nothing and you can do greater things than I can with all this. Uh, the word that I got at the same time was abide. And, I, and this translation doesn't have the word abide. But when I looked into it, I was like, okay, Lord, something is here in this passage for us today. And I think that we, I think we got to a lot of it, just being able to talk and get through that. But that sense of like, God seems to ask, be asking us to trust him and to allow him to hold us, to abide with him. And when we abide with him, it is there that we're able to like receive that strength, to receive the resources from the Lord needed to bring this kingdom of God's love to this earth. Like we are fragile jars of clay. God did not create us into steel. And when we believe that we are steel, then we don't need God any longer. But when we see that we are just needing each other and needing the Lord, then God can do such good things, more than Christ was able to do, Jesus says. So sometimes we want to respond to the needs right away, and we feel helpless when we don't. Um, and, and we must respond. Absolutely. We have to respond. We have to speak against hate and fear. We have to bring the peace of God and the light of Christ with us everywhere all the time. But if we don't go up to the mountain, if we don't (coughs) abide in the hand of God, and if we're moving a million miles an hour doing all of this good and not connected to the vine, we will wither. We just will. Our good work can easily become about just doing good for goodness sake and not for making God more beautiful. Because those jars of clay might look fragile, but God made them so that way his light can shine. That way he is made more beautiful. That way God is glorified through what is going on in our lives. And my concern for all of us is that we will lose strength if we try to muster it up on our own. Because every time I read these things, I'm just like, okay, what can I do? What can I do? Instead of actually pausing and remaining in the vine and praying and coming from that place of prayer and knowing that all of you, this whole great company of saints from years past and years ahead and all that's going on right now is with me in it. So today we pray. Today we pray to abide. We pray to have eyes to see. We pray to respond. And the way we respond is is in force by doing justice, by loving kindness, by walking humbly with our God, knowing that we're not jars of steel, but we are jars of clay. And maybe next week we'll plan more, or we might be praying more. Thanks for listening to this podcast. 
For more information about ways that you can be involved with Catalyst, please visit our website at provokechange.org. Until next time, journey together, live different, and provoke change.